when we were running our own brands, they were the return ad was a lot lower than just the user generated content. Um, a client of ours recently spent seventy five thousand dollars on one of the, you know the viral video like agencies that you guys see. Um, and I obviously don't want to get into names and whatnot. They spent seventy five thousand dollars on it, which is an insane amount of money. I and mean, you think about all, all the things you could do with that. You know, all the celebrities you could have gotten, all the influencers, all the content you could have got from all that. And like this at the same time, a lot of people go with these like crazy videos um, that are super high end. And I feel like more often than not, these videos just flop and it's tough. On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have Daniel Snow, CEO and founder of The Snow Agency. They're managing well over $60 million a year. You're going to want to hear about how creating custom content and landing pages for different buyer personas have changed the game for them at scale. You're also going to want to learn about how it's all about speed and learning for ad buying and my favorite the creative guidelines to live by when creating content that converts. This is going to be a good one, folks. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and enjoy the show. But before we begin, if you are a media buyer or agency owner, go ahead and head over to funnel-.com to see how their tools can help you scale your ads without killing your cash. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Zach Johnson and Dylan Carpenter. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson. I'm with Mr. Dylan Carpenter. Dylan, you ready to dive into it today? Hell yeah, man. We met this guy a week ago at the Geek Out Conference, and he knows his shit. Yeah, man. He not only makes it rain, but he makes it snow. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's next level. These guys manage upwards of $60 million a year in media. We met at Geek Out Mastermind, which is, I'd say, pretty much uh, where all the top world's media buyers hang out, um, which is a pretty awesome place to, to meet folks. And um, they're killing it in direct-to-consumer, uh, e-commerce, and uh, they're beefing up their creative game. So we're going to get into it today. Let's get Daniel Snow on the show, man. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I love the tagline, making it snow. I <laughs> myself. Making it snow. We not only make it rain, we make it snow. Uh, I love it. So tell everybody a little bit about what you're up to these days. Yeah. So um, right now I'm, I'm focused on building our uh, our agency, the snow agency. Um, we're full service agency at this point. We, we focus primarily on, on direct consumer brands, um, whether it be helping them on paid social, search, creative, web design, landing pages, et cetera. Um, we, we have, you know, deep expertise in all, all areas that essentially go into the return ad spend and scale that everyone wants. So, yeah. How big is y'all's team over there? We have, um, I believe almost 75 employees now. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's great, man. So tell everybody what is working out. What is this rich ad that is absolutely slaying it for you or one of your accounts? I would say the, the, the rich ad for us has been, um, and it's more so like a series of, of rich ads that like, is if, if that's okay. 
And I want maybe just like take you take it through the sequence of like how we structured that, or do you want just one ad? Show us the sequence, dude. It was the sequence. Yeah. A cool a cool thing that we did with one of our own internal brands um, that that led to probably our, our to date even still like our our, our largest um, amount we were spending for an account um, or you know time period what was was for our brand Perfect Skull. And essentially, what we were selling at the time was was uh, was was bras, uh, push-up bras that were strapless, backless, etc. And when we started, we, we we launched it with with the primary focus of just you know when you think uh, you know aspirational, like we got models, we got beautiful women, this that, all the quote unquote Instagram girls, right? And what we found was that a lot of the feedback we paid attention to customer feedback, and a lot of them were saying that like they had you know, this can never fit for a woman with huge boobs. This couldn't fit for a woman with small boobs. This, this, all, this only works with women with plastic boobs. It doesn't work. So like we, de- we deconstructed that and, and then literally just followed the customer feedback and then essentially broke our entire marketing strategy from content to landing pages and everything in between to match each customer persona. And Simply doing that allowed us to go from, I think, spending like $1,000 a day to spending $50,000 a day at like a three and a half X return ad spend in, in just a 30-day time period. Um, so oh you're spending God. about a million and a half dollars a month at one point or a million dollars a month, depending on which month. Um, so, you, so you basically went from Victoria's Secret to Hanes like in less than 30 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Victoria's Secret and, and now is doing, is kind of going that model. Like that they got rid of their... You know, no, they should not do that. They now, should not now, do that. Now, yeah, right. Now they're doing more plus size women, et cetera. So it gets out to the point of like people want products that they can see are designed for them. If you're, you know, most women are not the, 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 the aspirational, you know, five foot 11, super insanely slender, like, and, and, and if you can't imagine that product on you, because that's who's in the video, how are you supposed to buy it? Um, and the same thing can be applied to every single product category. If you're not creating content for that specific target persona, whether it be how they look, how they talk, how they, you know, their age, gender, everything that goes into that, um, it's going to be tough to get the return ad spend you want. So we kind of took that same process now and we apply it to uh, all of our clients, no matter what what they're selling. It doesn't have to be just a bra, you know. Um so, so yeah, that was, that, that was a really, really interesting thing we, we, we took away from that. Man, so you're essentially having, you know, custom creative and custom landers for the different personas, essentially, and kind of just ramping all those babies up independently. Exactly. So we, you know, we, we, we found, you know, a bunch of women with small breasts with the bras. Then on the, on, the, on the landing page, we wrote, you know, this is why it works for women with small breasts. This is the problem it solves. Did that regular breasts, large breasts, super large breasts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and made you know the content to cut to, to landing page cohesive in that manner and described how it works for them. You know, then on the targeting side, you can target those different um, kind of a, what people are in the market to buy based on a lot of those features. You can use lookalikes of people what they're purchasing per size of the bra or which landing page they bought it from, which obviously means you know different things. So that's what what's kind of our targeting process behind that as well to kind of go along with with the content. Do y'all go super intense with like interests and like lookalikes to kind of make it as relevant as possible? Or is it more of let the ad optimize and show it to whoever Facebook thinks that good fit is? Because I would imagine you maybe have it set up by campaigns and each one just hitting a different pocket within the same yeah. angle. Essentially. 
So I'm kind of curious how y'all approach that side of things and what's the most scalable from what you've seen. Um, I, I like to do both. I don't think there's any reason to do one or the other. Um, I'm always, you know, someone who's big on testing. Um, I also don't think that unless you're you're spending a mass amount of money, like overlap doesn't matter tremendously, right? <laughs> if you're spending a thousand dollars a day, someone's like, oh, I don't want to do, a, you know, a one percent lookalike in this other random audience because we're gonna have overlap. Like, I, it's you know, that doesn't take into consideration when when you have very large audiences. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always down, down to test. And some of our best audiences have been for sustained periods of time, have been some of those like interest-based audiences, um, that represented like what, who, who essentially represented the people in the content. So, yeah. How do you judge a qualified test here? Do y'all have a kind of a set saying, Hey, if we're spending 30 K a month, we're probably going to put three K to, you know, these kind of, you know, tests more or less to kind of gauge if they work or do you have any kind of framework on how you are kind of testing that to gauge, okay, this is relevant. Let's ramp it up. Um, or is it kind of case by case by count? It's really case by case just because every the amount of content everyone has is predicated on how much we can test. So if we set that rule, like, yes, set 20% of your budget to testing, and they don't have enough content to test to meet those criteria, or they might have more. You know, it's it's it, a lot of it is predicated just on how much how much content we have to test. Because like as you know, like testing audiences isn't like all that much if you don't have the right content. Like, testing audiences isn't going to take a dead ad and turn it into a winning ad. So um, a lot of that testing is predicated based on how much content we have available to us. One final question on the rich ad side. When it comes to these kind of creative tests, do you do kind of do what they were mentioning at the Geek Out conference, you know, just a solo ad set, ABO, just kind of feed one specific ad in there to kind of make sure Facebook doesn't allocate that budget like crazy? Is that kind of what y'all do to see the works best? Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Um, or what I tell our team to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just very simple. Like, you know, I've, I've seen it many, many times. You have the best ad in the world. If you dupe it into a you know, an ad set that, that's having success has three to five ads or whatever, like it's probably not going to spend. And then you could just say, you know, the ad might just never do anything simply because you didn't get enough ad spent to it. So it's, it's all ad spent. I mean, ad buying in general is all about like speed and learning from that. Um, and the best way to learn is to, is to dedicate spend towards that ad. So doing that process, which is the single ad set budget, um, is is, is, is is my opinion the way to go. Oh, hell yeah. Little nugs getting dropped in here, man. I'm loving this. So while ad sequencing definitely works, especially with what y'all are doing, what's something you thought would kill it that absolutely flopped? Let's dive into this poor ad segment here. Um, so this is something that I think just in general, um, I feel like I, I mean, at least for our clients, the like super high produced ads have never gotten that return that a lot of people want. You know, when we were running our own brands, they were the return ads was a lot lower than just the user generated content. Um, a client of ours recently spent seventy five thousand dollars on one of you know the viral video like agencies that you guys see. Um, and I obviously don't want to get into names and whatnot. They spent $75,000 on it, which is an insane amount of money. I mean, you think about all, all the things you could do with that, you know, all the celebrities you could have gotten, all the influencers, all the content you could have got from all that. And likeness at the same time, a lot of people go with these like crazy videos um, that are super high end. And 
I feel like more often than not, these videos just flop and it's tough to even do anything with it because that raw content like is tough to, you know, maybe you could splice it in with some videos, but it just like, you know, the way video doesn't work, there's not much you can do um, versus like, at least if you're doing something with like say influencers for that budget, at least you're getting some likeness or some, you know, type of awareness. At the same you know, like time. we could have, if we had a dollar for every time we heard on the show, premium, like overproduced creative, like doesn't work. I'd have $10 at least. Oh yeah. Um, and then I would say, say <laughs> I'm just kidding. $10. Truff hot sauce <laughs> is a killer example, dude. Truff, they had a free, you know, hot sauce yeah. thing versus like, you know, a 15, 20 K video. And man, that the free hot sauce testing killed that little festival. So it's kind of interesting there for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's like it coincides with uh, know your metrics and know your numbers, right? <laughs> that's like that's that's number two. So, uh, Daniel, I'm glad you didn't say that. Is uh, I would say also, especially because this was a newer brand doing it. Like, if you're a new brand doing it and you might you might have some money and you think you do it, like that doesn't make sense. Like, if you're a new brand, you should be focusing on who's buying your product for all the reasons I said initially on. Um, on like what we learned, right? If I made a $100,000 video with the wrong person in the, in the video, video doesn't work. Even if I'm saying all the right things, video does not work. So especially when you're launching a brand, you need to be fo focused and honing in on who's really the customer buying your product, what resonates with them, which unique value propositions, which problems, et cetera, et cetera. So then maybe you can consider investing in a video like that. If you don't have all that information dialed in, you, you know, the, the like, like the like likelihood of that type of video working is like very low. Yeah. Um, so for, especially for new brands, they should solely be focused on like demographics and all the other stuff I mentioned before they think about getting in, in, into, into videos like that. Ooh, that was juicy. I couldn't agree more, man. The amount of brands we see just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. It's pretty freaking unreal these days. <laughs> now, final piece of the pie man the name of the podcast we love to kind of meet the crossroads between you know marketing and the financial side of things so what kind of you know financial tips or principles can you kind of share with the audience based off your expertise i know y'all are launching you know the creative side hardcore so i mean i'd love to get some kind of feedback on what kind of tips you kind of bring out there i would say that the number one tip i would say is to just know your numbers i mean it sounds <laughs> I mean, there's, a few that, there's a few that i know but like we work with so many clients and they're just they like, you know, I mean, the first part we do now in our, our onboarding is to develop or attempt to develop real KPIs for return on ad spend about your business that are database. A lot of people just make up numbers. You know, I want a 2x because I want a 5x because this guy's getting a 5x. I want an 8x. You have some clients say, I want an 8x. Um, yeah. A rule for business, if you want to grow, you don't, you do not want an 8x, right? If you have an 8x, like it's, it's, it's a problem. You should strive for a lot less. You know, because you, you, in my opinion, if you're getting an 8X, like you can't, you know, you're probably not spending enough money. If you're getting an 8X. You should be spending a lot more money. Um, so that's, that's the number one tip is to really understand your numbers. So you can develop real KPIs that are backed by data and not backed by just, you know, your intuition or really just your. I don't know, man. I want to push back on you. I'm just, I, I hear this all the time. Know your numbers. I do think like the best part of what you said, though, is like you can't just want numbers because somebody else has them right because like everybody says know your numbers but i think that there's really like why does somebody go about picking a number as a kpi is some gold 
Um, and just because you know somebody's getting a cost, you know, a CPA of X is completely not related to your business uh, in the in the like the near term, right? Oh yeah, I'd even be curious to kind of bring up. I mean, when you go, you know, have a badass client who you're dying to work with, and they're like, "Hey, we're looking for you know five to six X or something kind of." out of the norm or just out of reach or just unrealistic, how do you kind of get them back on those kind of train tracks to kind of set expectations to what's being realistic if they're really trying to drive growth versus just a badass return? You know what I mean? So so, so the question was, what do we do if, if they don't want to scale? Or, or say you have a really badass account you've been dying to work with. So, I mean, you're kind of pulling a little strings there, but of course they want, you know, an eight to 10 X just because that's what they see online. How do you kind of uh, realign those expectations to be more realistic and really help them focus on growth versus a badass ROAS, you know? Some, I mean, we, we, we come to, you know, end up coming to conclusion that like some clients, not everyone wants to grow. Yeah. You know, that's really it. You can't force everyone to grow because growing isn't just, on the ad buying side, right? We have to do our, there's, you also have to operate the business. So not everyone wants to grow uh, and grow aggressively as, you know, um, for some entrepreneurs like us, like, you know, might might be hard to uh, fully fully uh, see that, but that that's kind of like a um, conclusion that we make, you know, in, in certain scenarios. Um, because you know, in order to, you might not have, you know, your your manufacturing dialed in, which means you have to now work a lot harder. Like there's a lot of instances like that, but we, we've seen that um, allows people to just want to stay super high margin instead of acquiring tons of customers. Um, but the other the other thing I wanted to talk about was just on the creative side was that really just just honing in on you know a, a lot of people talk about like oh the return on ad spend this that, but for us it's it's the, the number one metrics we're looking at are click through rate is probably the number one uh, most indicative metric that we look at for, for performance um, and how that, you know, how that impacts the cost per click. And then obviously when you compare it to your earnings per click, you can then see kind of like the, the return as when you're getting. So it's a very, very simple rate, like ratio to see. And a lot of people say like, oh, you know, why aren't I getting a positive return ad spend? Well, it's probably because one of those reasons. You're paying too much per click. Your ads are probably not engaging enough, um, or your CPMs are probably too high. Not all the times you can change your CPMs, which is tough. But um, at the end of the day, if you typically increase your click-through rates, CPCs tend to tend to come down, um, and that's where a lot of our focus is as well. So yeah. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's Ad Card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend in partnership with MasterCard. And if you are an aggressive affiliate dealing with dozens of ad accounts, or you are in gray hat or black hat verticals, such as drop shipping, CBD, or other verticals where you're dealing with ad accounts getting shut down, business managers getting shut down, or even de-platform from platforms like Facebook and Google, then you absolutely need to check out Funnel Dash's ad card. We give you unlimited free virtual debit and credit cards. So you can have a dedicated card for every single ad account campaign. And you can attach any name and address in the US so you have complete anonymity on the card and at the card level. Plus, one of my favorite features is that you don't have to pre-fund or even top off like most typical virtual card solutions today. So if this is you and you're operating these verticals, whether you're an agency or an advertiser, then check out AdCard at FunnelDash.com. 
All right, I want to know about your creative creation process. You guys have been investing quite a bit into your creative studio at the Snow Agency. Give us a little bit of insight as to how you're scaling content. Yeah, we're, we're scaling content um, in, our, in our creative studio. So uh, number one, the interesting thing that we're doing there for, for clients that, that are spending enough money is we're now doing a creative leasing program essentially where like they don't have to pay money up front. It's just strictly based on um, the ad spend. We take a piece of that on, on that end. So that's, that's amazing. <laughs> Creative leasing. Like, I love that. Yeah. So that's something really interesting that we're, we've started rolling out that. So if um, I, if I want like a video, what, what percentage of spend will you charge me for, for like a range to license that creative? 10 to 15% based on how much you're spending. Oh, so it's like, it's no different than your management fee or yeah. is it? Yeah. So, oh, essentially, okay. so essentially, you know, because uh, obviously create, creating creative has a lot of costs involved. Right. A lot of, a lot of clients, like the one I mentioned, you know, many people don't want to bite the bullet up front. So essentially we're willing to, to bet on our creative um, and you only pay if you're, if it's obviously performing. So that's something pretty, pretty uh, unique that, that we've been pushing out. Um, and it removes a lot, and it, and it kind of makes it a no brainer for the brands, right? Because typically creative is the bottleneck. And why don't they do creative? Because they have to pay so much. Well, if you don't have to pay that, that money up front, like, you know, this is something that, you know, potentially be interested in. So, yeah. I love it. I mean, it's a totally different way of selling agency services. I mean, you're still priced this similarly to a lot of other folks in, in the media buying agency shop, but you can lead with creative and uh, have a great guarantee and risk reversal and positioning it as licensing creative is way sexier. Yeah. Like, hey, we're a full service agency that's going to charge 10 to 15% of your spend. Um, and we'll, you know, and we'll create creative that may or may not be good. <laughs> that may or may not work. That's cool, man. Yeah, I've never heard that. Now, going back to something you kind of mentioned on the click-through rate and what y'all look at, is it just the generic click-through rate or link click-through rate? Link, link click-through rate is what I'm typically looking at. And do y'all just push above 2%? Is that typically a good KPI there? or which, which 2% is definitely, 2 is definitely a good goal. If you're over 1%, we typically say it's it's healthy. Um but two percent. If you're if you're above two percent, that's like very ideal, you know. Yeah. Dan, you've been an amazing guest, man. Uh, by far the most efficient guest that we've had for sure, and most productive. I feel like you've been able to accomplish so much in the last like thirty minutes while just sharing knowledge bombs. I got that for you. <laughs> just, <laughs> I love it. So tell everybody uh, how we can support you and how folks can get in touch. Yeah. So if anyone wants, well, you know. If, if anyone, I guess, is, is interested in, in, in content, we are, you know, our studio does a lot of branded content, photo content, video content, um, obviously direct response content like we discussed. Um, yeah, and if you wanna get in touch, you can follow me on, on social media. My Instagram is Dapper, D-A-P-P-E-R. Twitter is I am Dan Snow. Um, and if you wanna email me, dan at thesnowagency.com. So yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, much appreciated, man. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much.
much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoorad.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, zach at funneldash.com, show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoorad.com. To leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.